Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Jeremy Gilbert. Jeremy is a professor of cultural and political theory at the University of East London. He's author of 21st Century Socialism and his latest book, Hegemony Now, How Big Tech and Wall Street Won the World is out next year. Yeah, I know you just turned your mic off, Jen, because I heard all that noise. Now Under the Skin is on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review there. It helps us and we'll read them out. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this podcast and all of my weekly Under the Skin podcasts, all you have to do is subscribe to Luminary on Apple Podcasts or download the Luminary app. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. Now, there's a few things that I want to touch on about, like, you know, if you, like the current centre-left, I think, has become dominated by authoritarianism and puritanism and is, like, a become bereft ideologically. And, like, you know, when I look at, see, you talk about your reclaim the streets type days, and I sort of drifted around on the periphery of their movements, mostly because I kind of liked it. I liked, like, the vibe and everything. I also sensed there was something important about it. But I wasn't sort of embedded in groups that would, you know, I've got some friends that knew the score on this kind of stuff and gradually did their best to teach me about it. But I like the energy of it. And um, what I um, feel is that these kind of like the, the current sort of technocratic political ideals of the left are not going to deliver anything. And I also am doubtful, suspicious, cynical even about the possibility of the uh, the institutions and systems that we currently have can ever deliver anything. And, and, and I, I sort of even I mean that like, you know, when you say sort of like we need to kick on with the Labour Party national executive and momentum. And I don't know enough. I'm not like, you know, I recognise people know a lot more than I do and put a lot more time and effort in than I do. And I'm like, I'm not trying to gain say that. But when I feel about the kind of um, emotional quality, uh, the, the energy that's going to be required for people, like, you know, the willingness to sacrifice, the willingness to come together, the willingness to confront, and indeed, like you said, like, you know, the willingness to overlook differences. Like, you know, you see, I remember like years ago, like, you know, I guess five years ago now, seeing some sort of Tommy Robinson style thing kicking off in London, like a sort of, um, for those that don't know, a kind of like a ethno-nationalist, populist proletariat type movement and when i sort of see them i feel like how can the left not get these people like how can you not get them how can you not get white working class people who are pissed off they're not earning enough money and they've got like shit jobs and they're being treated bad if you can't get if they're going right if they're heading right you that i blame you for not being able to get them, like you know, like the, the, the you know the fall of the red wall, that people would rather vote for Boris Johnson, that they would rather vote for Trump. I'm like, well, what you, what's you, where's your game at? Where's your game at? And for me now, I'm at the bottom. Like when when I spoke to Curtis about this, he said, like you know, I was saying like you know, at the moment, like a, 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 a movement that would confront capitalist power is more likely to come out of the right than the left. Like, you know, and like, you know, like sort of an, when it comes to identity, sexuality, immigration, climate, like, you know, a long list of things. I'm like, oh, no, 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 not these guys. But when it comes to sort of verve and like a bit of um, mojo and a little bit of energy, I'm thinking like, you know, you know, like Curtis said, like, you know, look, it might it doesn't have to be the right. It might come out of 
but like emerging from these sort of movement, emerging from this emotion. Because like, you know, ultimately no, no one's really like, oh, or, you know, is it a boy or is it a girl? It's a right wing baby. It's a Tottenham <laughs> fan. You know, these all just, you know what I mean? It's all just been inculcated and can just as easily, my prayer is, my prayer is be stripped away. So like on the edge of that, and I'm sure you've got loads and loads of things to pick up on that. I wanted to sort of say that, don't you feel like that our energy ought be heading in the direction of, I don't know, sort of forms of anarchism, forms of devolution, new forms of confederacy, something that is vibrant and engaging emotionally and spiritually uh, that sort of um, makes the kind of that, that the clerical necessity of the stinky brick clear up out the middle of the road less relevant, sort of you know, drive around it type thing? Yeah, I totally do. I would say again. I mean, I but I sort I sort of think both positions have to be understood as right at the same time. Like you, you can't avoid the stinky brick clear up, and what you said is true. I mean, and how I would bring those things together is to say, look, we've learned one thing. We've learned from the past thirty years is for the left in Britain, at least, the only way you get a platform is by at least seriously challenging the leadership of the Labour Party. Because there's been people who think, I mean, I've been saying the stuff you've just said. I mean, I've been I've been written, writing about, you know, how basically, I mean, you know, the argument of my book, sort of Common Ground and, and other stuff I've written over the years is really, look, liberal representative democracy has been broken since the 70s because nobody voted for this stuff, basically. Like most, you can go right back to the early 80s and say most of the people voting for Thatcher, they weren't voting for privatisation and deregulation of the financial markets. They thought they were voting, they thought she was promising to take us back to the sort of their imagined traditional Britain of the 50s, but they didn't get what they were voting for. Most people who voted for Blair were hoping he was going to restore social democracy and reverse Thatcherism. They didn't get that either. So the that whole thing, the whole thing's been broken since the mid 70s, right? Um, the thing is, you know, people like me have been banging on about that for 30 years, that like we can't get a platform to say it. The only time we've come close to getting a platform is when, you know, we were able to use the Labour Party doing it. I mean, I was down on bended, I was literally in, you know, Parliament talking to advisors of Corbyn's, like while he was leader, and also while Ed was leader, actually, giving, giving them the shame spiel, saying, listen, you've got to give a speech, and the speech has got to say this, look, this whole system of, of liberal representative democracy has been broken since the 70s. We know it has. We know it doesn't work. We've got to do something very different. And that is, and, and we don't even know what that is. You know, we would have mm. to have a massive national conversation about what that different thing would be. And this isn't impossible. I mean, all over Latin America, in Latin America, you know, you've had radical governments in places like Bolivia, institute what they call a constituent assembly, where you really, you have a national process of saying, well, what would it mean to build new kinds of democratic institutions? Ones that are more, as you say, more devolved, more participatory. They're not based on the sort of 18th century model of like choosing some guy who goes down to a big committee in London and you don't see him again for four years <laughs> so it, that's all doable but i mean it was really a limitation even of sort of corbynism that you know in the end i mean you know i think jeremy you know i love jeremy corbyn but there was two limitations of, of corbynism really in terms of things you've been talking about one is in the end he was a sort of child of tony ben and tony ben although he was, could be very critical of all these things of all the kind of things we're talking about he also ultimately believed that like parliament could be the solution, that parliament had this sort of destiny to be this democratic institution that had been struggled for since the 17th century. 
So I don't think Jeremy didn't really believe as far as I could, could understand. He didn't really believe like what you said. He saw, seemed to believe that ultimately if you've got a Labour government, they could do socialism, which like a lot of people, including myself and some of the people around him were always saying, well, we know that's not true. Even if you get a Labour government, the only way you're going to be able to actually do some of the things we're going to want to do is by, you know, really tearing up the current model of, 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 uh, of institutional politics. So I think all that is completely true. And also, I mean, Jeremy wasn't very good at sort of channeling people's anger. I mean, this is partly mm. the thing you're you're sort of talking about, and I and I think it's probably, you know, it's a, it is a it is a sort of problem. You know, the issue of emotion in politics you've touched on, I think, is really sort of important, and it is really complicated. And I think you know one of the th- one of the things that really appealed to a lot of the, his most ardent supporters about Jeremy, understandably was that he represented this absolute decency, this complete sort of no bullshit. You know, it's true. I mean, it wouldn't, you wouldn't need to change the system if, 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 if all politicians were like him. You know, any system would work because he is genuinely a kind of saintly person. He like really means what he says and, and says what he means, etc. And that was what people liked about him. But in my experience, the kind of person who is no criticism of them, the kind of person who likes that, that's what they appeal to. That's that's they want that sort of image of decency and, mm. and truth seeking. Um, they're usually people, I mean, they're not, I was gonna say sort of middle class, but they're not actually. I mean, a lot of um, I know a lot of people who work in the public sector on very low salaries who are sort of or I think are like this. And and but and what they what they saw in Jeremy, as I always used to put it, they saw the local the headmaster that everyone loves, everyone knows works a 60-hour week for the kids and, and all that. But that's a completely different group of people to the people you're talking about, the sort of white working class. You know, I grew up in the Northwest, like in the 80s, and you, you can't, you know, when I'm talking to you, my accent goes full London. If I'm talking to somebody from Lancashire or Yorkshire, it goes almost full North, because <laughs> um, I lived, I grew up there, and I've lived in London since 1990. But um you know, amongst those people, you need something quite different from a guy who's just going to stand up and say, look, we're going to do the decent thing. You need, if you're going to win over that constituency, as he rightly says, currently being won more by the right, you need someone who is going to tell them who are the bastards who are fucking them, excuse my language, and what you're going to do to them. That's what you've got to do. And Jeremy couldn't, Jeremy was no good at that. Jeremy couldn't do that. Um, and un- unfortunately, but that is, you know, the political, I mean, you know, we have a political system, including the, the structures which were put in place by the sort of technocrats, people like Blair and Mandelson in the Labour Party in the 90s, and which still haven't been dismantled, really to make sure that people like that are kept out of politics. Mm. They don't get selected as MPs. You know, they might, they they do, where that isn't so much the case in, in the trade union movement. And I would point to like the recent election of Sharon Graham as the leader of Unite. The big, you know, with the second biggest union in the country, as really significant. I mean, she is basically a syndicalist. I mean, she's she's she her politics are, you know, I mean, she's very, you know, Unite supports the Labour Party and sort of left in the Labour Party, but her politics are often described as syndicalist, meaning they're effectively sort of anarchist. You know, they're very skeptical about the state. They're very skeptical about sort of representative structures. And I think, um, I mean, for me, one grounds for optimism, as I've seen, I mean, there's all kinds of problems with the union movement always, but the way they've shifted over the past 20 years is really, really dramatic. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, but one of, I mean, one of the big challenges for us is building a coalition on the left, 
that can include the kind of people who, you know, they they were attracted to Corbyn's quiet decency and people who can do that kind of firebrand politics, who can kind of speak to people on the left. Because one of the advantages the right have got is their equivalent of the people who like Corbyn's quiet decency. They're kind of, you know, they're sort of relative, are sort of, you know, relatively liberal Tories, the sort of people who support, uh, you know, supporting people like Cameron. Uh, the thing is, those people, for the most part, are capable of cynically endorsing a figure like a Trump or a Johnson, you know, when they recognise it's in their interests. Right. You know, they're capable of making that, they're much more practised because they're much more cynical. They make that calculation occasionally. Now, this is what happened with the Republicans in the States. You know, the Republican Party made the calculation well we need it yeah you need a trump at the moment does it win these people over whereas i think on the you know on the left you know habitually it's a cliche you know, people tend to be quite moralistic people tend to you know dislike kind of radical differences in style and presentation and a lot of people um and i think we do but i think strategically I think right now, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we absolutely need some sort of leadership on the left and we need, and there are people who could do it if they could be bothered. I mean, in terms of personality and manner, I mean, Angela Rayner, we've got no illusions about her politics, but, you know, she's she's a Northern woman who left school at 16. You know, if she wanted to start stand up and start giving speeches sort of channeling the class anger of the white working class in Britain she could do it immediately and she could win the leadership of the Labour Party and probably become Prime Minister to be honest so there are people who could do it um but of course I mean one of the issues and this is an issue with it when you know when Ed was leader it's issue with lots of people I mean one of the issues is is understandably you know people get scared I mean, it's quite easy for us, to, people like you and me, to sort of sit on the sidelines and say, why don't you do this? I mean, anecdotally, I mean, you always hear if if any politician looks like they're likely to start doing that and likely to start getting some traction. Well, I mean, what I, don't, I can't say for sure this is definitely true, because they'll get a call from Murdoch. And Murdoch will just tell them, well, make your life's family a misery if you carry on like this. Not just yours, your family's life will be made a misery. And people get scared. So, and it's partly for that reason why we need not just politicians and leaders, you know, we need a strong movement that can back these people up. We need a whole, you know, we need to keep building a real culture which in which, you know, people like, the people we would like to be our leaders can be supported to take those kinds of steps. Mm. Yes. If you're enjoying this conversation, join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin.